0: Hello and welcome to the Pro's Traveled podcast series, The View from 30,000 Feet. I'm your host, Aditi Mehta. In this episode, Justin Jander and Shiva from Etihad Airways discuss the value of science in revenue management and the evolution of Etihad. Let's listen. My name is Justin Jander. I'm a product manager at Pro's uh, with the revenue management products. And I'm joined today by Shiva and uh, let you introduce yourself. Thank
1: you, Justin. I'm Shiva. I'm from Etihad Airways. I'm a senior manager in operations research, and I sort of head the systems, science, and
0: processes team in revenue management at Etihad. Great, so today we're going to talk to you about, uh, ask you some questions around uh, your role, the future of revenue management, sort of uh, all, all different tracks things. So we'll sure. dive right in. Let's go. All right, so I guess you, you kind of described your role already, but can you tell us how you ended up at Etihad, and uh, sort of what your path has been throughout the time you've been there, how long have you been there, all those kind of things. Yeah, that's a long
1: story. Uh, (laughs) We have plenty of time. Okay. (laughs) So I started my career with Etihad. um, So I could say that's my first job. And it's a long first job from that (laughs) sense. So I'm almost done 10 years in the airline. Um, So I passed out of London School of Economics. So you have a colleague who is my classmate. That's right. So we sort of turned both together into Etihad. And Etihad was only five years old. So the airline was looking for people with... uh, math, statistics, and operations research capabilities to sort of build on a budding airline and make its inroads into revenue management. So I've had the greatest of mentors that I can ever ask for, Basker. So Mm -hmm. he employed me in Etihad and he was only like six months old in the Mm -hmm. airline then. So he saw something in me which I didn't see as well then. Um, So he got me in and we started pretty much very, very slow with Doing the smallest of eight task realignments. But then the journey was set on several people changed and several atmosphere changed. But um, him and the motivation that I always got in the environment sort of hooked on to it. And I had something very solid to work on, which was pros OND for all the while. And as you know, it's from the leg base to the interim OND to the full OND and hybrid and so on. And it's been a success journey from that perspective. So. That's, that's been something fascinating. In terms of my role, I've sort of switched back and forth, and I think that has been um, great f- for me overall. Um, my boss, as I speak, he sort of saw the way that I should lay my foundation in the career. So when I started, I did little projects to start with and then he put me on as a flight analyst in the leg like, base world so I actually switched regions from mm-hmm. being a middle eastern flight analyst who would manage flight level demand and uh, availability and then move on to australia far east and then moved on to europe and mm-hmm. also managed north america so that greatly gave me the biggest of insights and platform to actually understand travel patterns and demand from the eyes of a user sure This, with the knowledge that I have on systems and technical capabilities, greatly enhanced me later as Mm -hmm. I moved on to implement OND system and sort of take leverage on what's a better system to have. Is it fully science-based or is it fully Mm guts-based from a commercial perspective? So I think these sort of combined and I feel like I'm a unique blend where I can call as etihad myself than having another airline experience that yeah. sort of has a different leverage in it.
0: Yeah, we were kind of just talking outside about describing what we do to, to other people. So maybe I think that's a good question, too. If you had to describe what revenue management is to somebody maybe, you know, that isn't an expert but is knows the airline business, what would you say revenue management is really all about? Well, I probably that's the most difficult question
1: after all 10 years. I they probably say,
0: just say that, you know, people want you to say that's why I pay so much for tickets, right?
1: Yeah, I think that's what I've actually eventually come down to say as it is. <laughs> when I started trying to explain, it was a 30 minutes explanation. They finally said, okay, can you explain what you're saying? I said, okay, it's not going to happen so easy. Then I referred textbook and online materials and I said, there's no easy way to translate something what I do in a small space of time to Mm -hmm. say, okay, what what it means actually. But I think eventually now people also understand prices better. And you know, there is uh, a big shift in people's knowledge of how airline price, not the details of it, just the fact that prices change over time and everything. Mm -hmm. So I simply stand there and say, I'm the guy who's responsible for the changes (laughs) that you see. So I say, if you want to bash me, I'll show you somebody else. (laughs) Or if you'll be happy with it, then it's me who goes behind all the signs.
0: (laughs) I always like to have a joke that's, uh, you know, if you're, if, when people say it on a plane, I say, well, did you buy the ticket? And they say, well, yeah, I'm here. And I say, well, then it wasn't too expensive because you still bought the ticket, so you can't oh, be that oh, mad about okay. it. But that's, that's one of the ways that you kind of can feel. But nobody's ever satisfied with how much they pay. That's true. So you've talked a little bit about Etihad already. Can you tell us, uh, you know, we know it's in the Middle East and Abu Dhabi. Can you tell us about what the model is for the airline a little bit and sort of what uh, makes it unique and what sort of how the, the structure of the airline works and all that?
1: Sure, actually, it's it's quite interesting because when, when Etihad was started in uh, um, 2003, it was one of the youngest airline in the Middle East and you had two prominent established careers in the middle of space of things the airline found its own identity it had a strategy and a vision on where it wanted to go and that mainly was to show Abu Dhabi to the world and also connect passengers from east to the west Mm -hmm. and in doing that I think the airline has adopted various strategies and each of it had paid its own dividends Mm -hmm. in how successful the airline grew so one way of actually growing big in the world previously the strategy that we adopted was doing partnerships and I, I remember in 2010 or 11, when I came for the first post-conference, a lot of people who were not exactly airline background people would ask me, okay, what is Etihad? But a couple of years later, when we had went in for major acquisitions and you know stakes in different airlines, it shot to fame very quickly. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of recognition in how we sort of went about. But amongst all this, the main focus that we maintained was how do we connect Abu Dhabi to the world and mm-hmm. bring uh, uh, people to Abu Dhabi to sort of build Abu Dhabi tourism as well as awareness in what Abu Dhabi is exhibiting. <laughs> yeah. um, you have a and you know, Ross was there from ProScience mm-hmm. uh, for parts, mm-hmm. and he said, you know, why don't you bring me back more often? <laughs> because there's a lot of exciting things that sure. the city has built and given that the city is also fairly young, mm-hmm. it had the infrastructure and the platform using latest technology sure. To build itself so it has amazing theme parks and many things so that's been the main focus of sure. how we go about it so we sort of relied on two bank structure three bank structure and we've finally come towards you can, know, uh,
0: sorry to interrupt can you explain the bank structure thing to, to yeah. our audience
1: okay so bank structure by that i mean that you you bring in a lot of flights who arrive into abu dhabi at a given time and then you have flights connecting from abu dhabi in relatively some space of time to carry all these passengers to a different mm-hmm. place. So that's what you call is collecting traffic for us. Right. And that we have two bank structure. What I mean by that is people from Europe and um, Australia arrive in Abu Dhabi and they exchange passengers to go... Sure to the other side of the world. This happens
0: during the day, and this happens during the night. So yeah, I think it's an interesting point about the, the bank system, because I don't know that all travelers really actually s- notice that you know all of the flights from the US land basically at the same time into mm-hmm. Abu Dhabi and then there's a set of flights that take off from Abu Dhabi to uh, the far east in the middle in the middle east and into the uh, you know southeast asia india and so forth so those are those banks you're talking about and i think it's an interesting concept because it really sets up for being a connecting uh, setup and obviously, connecting traffic is very important to Etihad, which is, of course, why you had the pros O&D system really understanding the flows across the network and so forth. So I definitely think that that's, that's really interesting. And, and one other point I think uh, you mentioned about Abu Dhabi. And I, I, I went for the first time. I visited uh, you guys in, in Abu Dhabi in 2012 was the first time. And it's really interesting just how different it is from the last time I was there to the first time just how much it's grown and how different it is and it really speaks to what you're talking about the growth of the city itself it's not just a connecting point onto the world it's also a place that people want to do which introduces the opportunity for your uh, stopovers, so people stay for a little while and then go go on to their next destination. And of course, one other thing I really like about it is the uh, the Etihad residence on uh, your A380s. I think, yes, yeah. That's right. Of course, I've never flown it, but uh, I would love the opportunity to do it because it's you know. You and should it try it out sometime. Yeah. And, uh, I, might, I might need a non-rev ticket <laughs> for that, uh, that, that you give those out. <laughs> I haven't been privileged to get one either. But
1: so actually, as a, as, a, as a demo suit at the Ass Island, the Formula One uh, racetrack where it mm-hmm. is, and also there is another place called the Innovation Center, so mm-hmm. slightly down to the bridges. We actually have a model of the residence, so you could go and try oh, it cool. out. And we do showcase that in a lot of uh, air travel shows in recent one in Dubai as well as in Saudi Arabia. So sure. people get a glimpse of what it feels like so
0: you could think about that as your next honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> I'll definitely tell that to my wife. I think that'll be good. And I think this is a good kind of segue into revenue management because you can see that Etihad is clearly big on innovation, new ideas, things that are outside the box. So the residence is something that's never been done in, in uh, uh, commercial air travel before and something that's been, I think, relatively successful for you know, some, you know, not having to rent a private jet to fly from New York to, to Abu Dhabi. Certainly. And so, but that, I think I also see that's the case on the revenue management side as well. It's some, you know, an opportunity where we partner a lot. Um, we've had you give us some descriptions of what you've done with us and those things. So I, I guess what, what sort of, let's talk first about uh, how the science fits into your revenue management system. What's the importance of science to the system? And what do you think is kind of the, um, and why is it so important? Yeah, it's
1: a great question. It sort of defines my job to start with. <laughs> so it's uh, good
0: that science exists and if it's part of your job. Right? Yeah, definitely.
1: So that way I'm a big advocate of it. But I would, I mean, having done both sides of the job on the commercial side as well as on the system side, I come to appreciate the the nuances of why science is so important. Um, I mean, talk about today's, I mean, in one word I would say is science important? Definitely, is. Yes. Mm-hmm. But talk about today's world. The simple answer is with big data, mm-hmm. you know, the storage becoming cheaper and you're get getting more and more data, you can't make a lot of decisions without science because there's just so much data. Sure. You got to put something around it which gets decision and your logics are more static over mm-hmm. time and there is far more patterns to be had than what you think there is in that process. But from a user perspective as well, I th- I've seen that, you know, people have come to appreciate the importance of science over time significantly. There was a time you could talk about a transition in itself when you were in the leg-based world, people could comprehend these Mm -hmm. forecasts and say that, I think this flight will go 90% full because they have a good, rich history about it. So I I think back in the day in in the leg-based system, um, airlines and RM look for a lot of people with a lot of experience because they were looking at you know people who can manage a given flight and understand that more than you know what the science has to offer at that mm-hmm. point of time. So the way I see it is, you know, if if you to talk about an exponential curve and a negative exponential, <laughs> the negative exponential is the experience that you want with the people over time, and the exponential is actually the science that has grown up sure. in in people's. Uh, uh, or the level of complexity that system is able to handle today. From, so from that aspect, what I see is people have also come to appreciate because when you could prove to people that you could make seven decisions today, tomorrow you have to make seven million decisions, <laughs> they realize that quickly that you know I have to relieve really my hands out and I have to go to a much broader level to be able to look at these things. So I feel science has had an adoption in right. itself across um, airlines and departments. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's at quite a mature stage where you could say the adoption is better um, as well as people appreciate the uh, value of science. And talk about machine learning and big data, that's Mm -hmm. a separate, you'd say, the budding thing from a people's perspective on what it means to them.
0: I think it's really interesting because you're able to, you know, People coming into the role are more exposed to the science now, so they're able to sort of appreciate the thing. And one thing you said that I think is really good is that people can comprehend making a hundred decisions, you know, they can process through that with a leg level, kind of a few flights, that sort of thing. But as soon as you broaden out to the OND level, There's suddenly so many things to process, and, and that's sort of what I always use is that the system needs to create that baseline. The users still play an important role, but the system has to create a good baseline because it's impossible to create that just from looking at every single thing. And and I, so I guess on that topic though it'd be interesting to get your perspective on what what are the users that are what what sort of skill set do you bring in at Etihad and what what are you looking for and how has that changed from when you started ten years ago to what you have today and sort of have you seen a difference and what sort of person are you looking for and and obviously you came from the London School of Economics right so yes, uh, clearly that was a, a you know that's a focus but what else do you look for in that?
1: Yeah, I think back in the day. Um, I was not a recruit. I was a budding mm-hmm. analyst to start mm-hmm. with, but I would say based on what I've seen with people around, a lot of revenue management was not a mandatory department in an airline. That's mm-hmm. my first understanding when we started. You could fly a plane just selling whatever <laughs> you wanted to sell. <laughs> so a lot of people who actually moved into revenue management were natural transitions from. Reservations operations who mm-hmm. understood these better in terms of how the airline would work. So you could see a lot of experience coming mm-hmm. in from that. So not exactly, you would say, heavy analytical skills were driving mm-hmm. behind that. But over time, as you moved into the O&D world, uh, airlines realized the value of actually picking up people who have a lot of analytical base. And I think that's something that we have seen quite significantly. So even from the... Um, a talent perspective you could you could actually recruit a lot of people who have one year two year experiences mm-hmm. but have a lot of analytical skills but with that you also see certain limitations what the other set of people always had so we really quickly realized that we need to have a blend of both in the world until a time that we are mature in how we go about handling that so that's something we successfully managed to transition into as well now over time where you know we have people with five six years of experience who have um, s- expert skill knowledge on mm-hmm. the system as well as a comprehension of how they need to look at market because you do need to have a different lens when you look at the market you can't be talking exponential demand to the sure. sales team <laughs> sure so you need to know how to comprehend that so i think all these were different blends in how actually people transcended so today you would look at somebody you know to jump into the job with one or two years of experience but having strong analytical background mainly with the view not to do the analytics because there are many softwares like Pro which sure. is doing it, but to be able to trust the system, like think about what Michael Wu was saying, AI will not have its adoption until people start trusting it, even though you cannot comprehend it. Sure. And OND is somewhat like that. I don't think you know most people at the user level know the nuances of how the parameter works <laughs> into the guillotine, sure. but they trust saying that Pro is doing this, and you have measures that sort mm-hmm. of gives comfort around how right. good is the system going? Right.
0: I think that's an important distinction, and and you know on the user side, there's we've been sort of saying that the the users are headed more towards like a an market analyst and truly being an analyst like a like a stock pro, stock analyst type of thing where you're trying to predict the future, but there's obviously algorithms that help with stock analysts, uh, but there's also they have to use their insights, and I, I kind of we've seen it kind of be a parallel to that where it's. Uh, you want, to, you want the person to supplement and complement the algorithms that are there. And, and you need the, the skill set to sort of think critically, review the numbers and sort of then project forward with their, their you, estimates. You're very
1: right. Actually, that's one of the reasons that uh, Dieter, our VP, um, had a vision two years back. And he saw that the way airlines are headed and the world is headed, it's more to a retail management. So he actually set up a team 18 months back called the Digital Retail Management, which would look at airline from different aspects and be able to look at it from mainly from a customer perspective. And also internally within revenue management, he redesigned the role of a demand analyst and a pricing analyst and he merged them both to call it the manager pricing demand, mm-hmm. especially with a vision to have an outlook where it's not demand or price, it's it's combined. Both, you need to yeah. have a vision of how you set it up for the end customer. And I, I, we have learned and matured in that phase as yeah. we go along. And I think we are definitely ready for a future, which mm. I do think that many organizations would start to transition at some point of time when they're yeah. ready.
0: Well, that actually is a great segue into my next question, my last yeah. question. And uh, So where do you see the the revenue management space going in the next 5 to 10 years? You kind of gave a little bit of insight there. You've talked about artificial intelligence a little bit. You've talked about combining the role of price and demand into a single it's a one function at that point. So where do you see it kind of all going in five to 10 years? Where do you think it's going to go and where do you want it to go as well? That's an amazing question. <laughs> I mean, I would be afraid to answer that and
1: look back after 10 years to see <laughs> what I said.
0: we'll, we'll we're, are definitely recording this, so we'll be able to do
1: that. But, but I, I, I think it's, it's, it's going to be rapidly changing um, simply because of the advent of technology. So, What I can think is pretty much my vision in terms of where I see three, four, five years in terms of what are the possibilities airline could potentially explode. So I'm going to be very creative in saying this. I don't even know if that's going to be (laughs) the extreme of how it's going to do. I pretty much see a lot of the departments in the structure that they are to actually collapse. And things might transform more into a team but having seven processes and mm-hmm. you know each process is a team in terms of how they execute it so you think about the skill sets and the skill sets going to be extremely dimensional and quite adaptive towards the next process that a given process skill set is actually going to carry out because you're going to look at everything as you know the leaders like amazon show us that you got to look at everything from a customer perspective mm-hmm. so People don't even know revenue management as a department exists because it's only very relevant in a perishable field, as we say, right? So I see that the internal departments will realign itself. Mm -hmm. Processes will define what roles people will do. Skill sets will hugely vary with technology empowering people in that space. So, and instead of revenue management, maybe for now, for simplicity, I would say offer management to start with. And I think offer management is going to transcend not only just what people pay but also in terms of what people choose to pay sure and maybe they would you know people would quote a price and the system would go back and say i cannot offer you the price right now but wait for a while and let me see if i can give you that price Uh maybe something like that in that direction and also products like ancillaries and Mm -hmm. everything going and and so forth and i think one thing I could predict in terms of where industry would lead into is than buying individual tickets I see a scope for subscription modeling because with you know more awareness that's going in the only way you're going to retain people despite the oddity that you may have is how well you're tying your customers to yourself While you could say loyalty program is one, I think there is a great scope in being very creative there. Sure, sure. The likes of Netflix and Amazon Mm, Pay and and many things that are coming forward. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to grow significantly big in how airlines might shape the market shares between themselves and how they go about it's going to be very very interesting it's
0: definitely interesting and that's one thing that's very true about the airline industry is it's it's always evolved just all the way back from when the first commercial flight started to to today if you think about just how much things have evolved and how different it is it's clearly a changing industry and it's it's really cool to be a part of it too and and uh, yeah so it's been good and so yeah, I think that, that covers what we wanted to have today. I really appreciate your time and, and this has been really interesting and we look forward to talking to you more and, and uh, continuing the conversation over the next 5 to 10 years and we're definitely going to keep this and uh, see how, how close you were for that. So.
1: Yeah, sure. Thank you and actually thank you for having me. Um, I think PROS and Etihad have been long partners and continued partners in this space and it's, it's, it's one of the main reasons I rejoice the role that I do mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the partnership I had with you earlier with John, um, have with you, continue mm-hmm. to yes, have with definitely. <laughs> and venturing into GSO as well from that perspective. And, and, I, and I think the extended team of pros has been great. Um, sure. and, and, and And I wish it continues to grow. Yeah, definitely.
0: And we value the partnership as well. So thank, thank you very you. much. We appreciate it. Thank you for listening, and a special thanks to Shiva from Etihad Airways for taking the time to talk with us. This podcast is brought to you by Pros Travel and was recorded at our annual user conference in Las Vegas. At Pros, we help airlines on their journey toward offer optimization and digital transformation. For more information, please contact Pros.